You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome once again to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry. And before we get into this week's interview, of course, I want to talk about our sponsors. You know them, you love them. MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp, of course, is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every single day. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. Do you need a new domain for your next project? Check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. Grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code JUNEBUG and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, a whole lot more, just starting at only $2. They give away a new selection of free goods every Monday, of course, today is Monday, and they've got really great bundle promotions every month. Now, if you're looking for specific assets for apps that you use, uh, I know they've got over 195,000 Photoshop assets. Uh, if you use Sketch or Illustrator, they've got over 200,000 assets for each of those apps. So you're pretty sure to find something that you can use. Check them out at creativemarket.com. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. Like I said, I'm going to do these updates every week so you know where we stand. Since last week, we were up to seven patrons. So we've got a combined total now of $27 a month coming in from patrons. Again, thanks to all of you who have already pledged your support for the show. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some great perks like early access to future episodes, a monthly Google Hangout with me and other Revision Path supporters, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. You'll also be entered into some upcoming special giveaways that are only going to be for revision path Patreon patrons. So there's actually one that's coming up in a few weeks. So if you want to get in on that, go to patreon.com forward slash revision path. Pledges start at just $1. All right, let's get on with this week's interview. So I talked with Sean Aaronlay, who's a graphic designer and entrepreneur in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Sean Aaronlay. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'm a designer and entrepreneur. I run a small graphic design, web design, web development shop here in Chattanooga, and I also run a small program for youth called Air Labs, where I teach kids how to code. Let's talk about grid principles first. Where did you get the idea to start that? You Have you always kind of had this interest with design and you just wanted to build your own shop, that kind of thing? Yeah, I actually, a little bit on my background is that I went to school originally for computer science. I graduated with a bachelor's in that degree, and but I actually kind of wanted to drop out and like go into design, and my parents were like, no. <laughs> so after that, they were like, well, let you finish this and then think about design school. So after that, I went to design school, really fell in love with it. It was just so different from computer science where I was designing and coding and actually seeing things come to life from my imagination, mm-hmm. whereas we were doing a lot of like command prompt stuff in, in computer science. Um, and then I was freelancing for the longest time and I was like, I, I want to make this into like a legit business and brand myself. And that's how Great Principles came along. 
was it a really big transition kind of going from computer science to design? I, I feel like people might think that those are two sort of separate types of things. Like computer science is definitely more logical, design is more you know, creative, that kind of thing. I feel like you need creativity for both. I mean, the uh, amount of imagination and planning that needs to go into, let's say, a website design and layout, that same imagination and creativity needs to go into coding that allows you to make that something tangible and, and functional for people to actually use. So I think there's plenty of, of creativity that goes into both. It's just using different parts of your brain. So how long have you had uh, Grid Principles? How long has it been going on? For about a year now. I was freelancing for about, probably say, four or five years, maybe a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been working with this guy, my colleague named Greg, and we were both freelancing together, contracting on projects, and we were like, let's make this like a legit thing. And we started off with like one client, and now we have so much work, we don't even know how we're going to do it. (laughs) It's worked out pretty well. And we've, knock on wood, we've... Everything has been through word of mouth. We haven't put out any advertising. Oh, nice. So it's just people have been really digging what we're doing and then telling others. What's the design scene like in Chattanooga? I mean, I'm assuming that it must be pretty good if you're kind of swamped with business. Yeah, it's actually pretty awesome here. There's a lot of designers, developers, entrepreneurs. We have tons of groups for all those different genres of work. A lot of meetups that go on around town. I'm a part of a women's coding group here called CodeXX. And we just, we get together, we hack on projects, we talk about code, we have workshops that we put on and have other women come to and learn about different programming languages. There's definitely a pretty big scene here in Chattanooga and we're also known as the gig city because we have the EPP fiber optics here and just... There's a lot of experiments going on with that, and they involve the tech and creative community to figure out how we can best use the gig to our advantage. So there's tons of things going on. Chattanooga is really kind of an up-and-coming, bustling city with creativity and technology. Yeah, it's I, I wonder if when people really think about technology that they even sort of consider Tennessee or even like a smaller town in Tennessee like like Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it has a certain... What's been the appeal for you? I mean, you grew up there, though, pretty much, right? Yeah, I grew up here. The appeal for me was that when I graduated from college, from design school, it was kind of like the height of the economic downfall, so there were no jobs anywhere. So uh-huh. I was like, I'm just going to come back home and, and start my own thing, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And another thing, too, is that cost of living here is fantastic, and Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville are all about two hours away. So if I need to go for a meeting or go to a conference, I mean, it's right there. It's in my backyard. So Chattanooga is like a good central location to really, I feel like, get started on a business dealing with anything, really. Now, with grit principles, you said that most of the work that you've gotten has been all through word of mouth. Are there particular clients that you prefer to work with that really, I guess, work best with Grid Principles? No, we've had a variety of, of clients. We've had everything from real estate agents to nonprofits to small kind of mom and pop shops. But we're consistently bringing in bigger projects, bigger clients with bigger budgets and just working across the field of just different people in different businesses. It's just, we, we're always up to the challenge to see how we can put a company and a client out there with great design and you know really robust code and, and do the best that we can. I mean, we're, we're really in love with what we, what we do. 
how do you approach a new project? Like say you've got a new client that comes in, they've got a pretty good idea of what it is they want. How do you start? What's the starting process? I definitely always have a sit down meeting with them. If we can face to face, we've had a a few clients that have been out of the state. So it's usually, you know, phone calls and, and email and such. But if I can meet with them in person, I really try to gather the person's personality and the story of how they want to be perceived online or how they want their business to be perceived. And I really kind of infiltrate that into the design, still with my design perspective and point of view. And we do an intake form to really get an idea of the whole idea of outline of what they want. And then I start doing research and sketching from there. And then I start doing all the designs. And then I basically hand that off to the client to approve them. And then I hand them off to my colleague, Greg. And he's just a coding guru. He can basically do any crazy idea that I come up with in design and, and make it work. It's just a really steady communication back and forth between the client and I and then with me and Greg. What are the next steps of growth for Grid Principles? We're just trying to take one day at a time. That's just kind of <laughs> um, the motto for, for my life as well. I can only concentrate on, on what's going on today and then you know maybe kind of an idea of what I want to do tomorrow. I do have big picture goals and things that I want to accomplish, but I try to break those down into smaller chunks so that I don't get overwhelmed because you know running two businesses at the same time can be kind of crazy. So I just try to do what I can every day and then hope that I wake up the next morning and, and try again, try to do a little bit better than I did yesterday. Let's talk about that second business. That's um, Air Labs, yes. right? Yes. So uh, AIR stands for Aspire, Imagine, and Reason. And those are the three qualities that I feel like you need in life in general if you want to do really well and accomplish basically anything. You have to have aspiration, imagination, and reasoning skills. So we started off last year with an official space. We have a computer lab. Kids come in here. We we teach them code. We also have like a free Minecraft afternoon where the kids come in and just geek out on, on playing Minecraft on our server. And mm-hmm. now we're actually starting to transition into providing classes for adults as well. And it all started off because I love teaching. I've been teaching for many, many years now. And I started teaching code camps around Chattanooga. People just started hiring me. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this. And people seem to like the way that I teach. And the kids are really grabbing onto this. Like, why don't I start my own thing? And I just wrote it down, figured out the steps that I wanted to take to get everything started, found some money through some people that I know to to help get everything going. And it's just been great from there. Do you think you'll branch out Air Labs into other cities? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's, that's kind of like a a long-term goal. I want to kind of get the formula right here in Chattanooga before I spread it out to, to other places. Just again, like I like to, I like to do things, small batches and see what works, what doesn't work and, and adjust from there. But yeah, that would be a, a, an amazing thing if there were air labs just all over. Now I want to talk about what you mentioned when you said you kind of got money from other people to really kind of help build it. I know that there are people that are listening that have their own ideas mm-hmm. and funding kind of seems to be the one thing that keeps them from growing their idea out of just sort of one particular spot, like where they started. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the uh, things that have helped you out? Passion, being persistent, having a solid idea with goals that you're trying to reach and not just saying like, I'm trying to start this awesome business and then 
that's it. Like people want to know like you're actually have plans for growth and different things that you want to accomplish over time. And I have a friend that's great with numbers and spreadsheets. I told him what I was trying to do, what I was going to charge, what it's going to be for the first year, second year, et cetera. And he turned that into an awesome spreadsheet that I then handed to people and showed them what I was doing along with a small kind of concise business plan, just the general details. Because I learned from a lot of reading and research that people don't really want to read a business plan that's like pages upon pages. They just want the general gist. So if you just really have the passion for what you're doing and you can take those few hours to be really diligent and do the A through Z of how you want this business venture to work, you'll definitely be able to go out there and find some money somewhere. People have money that they want to give away, apparently. (laughs) So, and just come up with a plan afterwards of how you're going to pay that back and how you're going to save money every month to kind of alleviate interest rates and and things like that. So there's a lot to do. And I've done a lot of research and reading. That's a big thing. You just can't wait for somebody to give you the answers. You got to kind of put yourself out there and, and, and do the hard work. Yeah, one thing that I feel people might overlook is grant money. Because uh-huh. I know that in the tech community in particular, there's a lot of talk about getting funding through you know venture capital firms or doing bootstrapping or something like that. Uh-huh. But grants, you know, depending on, I guess, what your, your project is, grants can be a way also of securing funding, particularly if you've done all that research. Like you said, you've done the research, you have a spreadsheet and a business plan and all of that. Uh-huh it probably doesn't take much to just roll that into a grant proposal and submit it and see what happens. Yeah, and there's there's tons of stuff out there, especially for minorities. So it's just a matter of going online and searching for those things or going to some kind of business development center in your city or city hall and, and seeing what's out there and just submitting. I mean, the worst that they can say is no, but at least you know you tried and then you just you right. go on to the next thing. Or if they say no, you know, ask, ask them, them why. why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you created kind of another type of, I don't want to say it's a, it's a business, maybe it's a business, but it's sort of this community called Blurred Nation. Yes. Talk to me about that. Yeah, Blurred Nation is just this uh, passion project that I started a couple of years ago. And maybe like a few months before that, I'd become familiar with the term Blurred, Black Nerd. And mm-hmm. it was like, this is a description of my life and (laughs) how can I find other people that are black nerds as well? And I saw it as not being a stereotypical nerd, not like a, like a Steve Urkel or a screech from Saved by the Bell, but just somebody that's like uniquely passionate about what they do. You just like nerd out about design or architecture or comics or medicine or whatever your thing is. Like, Mm -hmm. you're a complete nerd about that, but you just happen to be black at the same time. So I was like, there has to be other people out there. And I was like, what would we call ourselves? Like a blurred gang or like a group? And I was like, (laughs) no, like, this is totally a blurred nation. So I just like, I went crazy that day. I was driving back to Chattanooga from Atlanta and like got home and bought all the URLs and like did all this stuff and designed a website. And I had just started to get to know my, my current colleague, Greg. And I was like, Greg, you got to help me out. And we built this amazing website that's actually in the, in the process of, of being vamped, revamped into like Blurred Nation version 2.0. It's just a collection of nerds and nerd news and nerd media and dealing with black folks 
so yeah, we, we have a, a media section, a news section. We have featured blurbs, and they answer a set of questions, and and they do this all on the back end themselves. And I just check everything and then publish it to the site. So yeah, it's just it's just a, a nice you know website kind of social gathering of of black nerds. What's been the feedback so far? I feel like you know blurbs are really in right mm-hmm. now. Like a lot of the fandoms around popular TV shows, for example have been born out of, you know, like you said, these passionate people, this blurred community, yeah. so to speak. What's been the feedback for Blurred Nation? The feedback has been amazing. Like, people are so excited that there's this place that they can go to and just be themselves or find other people like them. And a lot of people have created, you know, friendships, relationships online through Twitter because of Blurred Nation, where they found somebody else that was, you know, really into comedy or really into comic books or illustrators and artists and just all sorts of people. It's just been a way for people to find other people like them or maybe something that they've been interested in and they see that somebody else that looks like them is doing it. So you have Blurred Nation, you have Grid Principles, you have Air Labs. What is your secret for managing all of this stuff like how do you manage your business work with your other projects uh sleep (laughs) i make sure i get sleep every night i don't believe in this kind of this thing that's going on right now about you being like a hardcore entrepreneur and you got to work 100 hours a week and be willing to only get two hours of sleep a night and like Oh, yeah, they sleep, we grind. Yeah, yeah, live off of Red Bull and, like, (laughs) Pringles. Like, that's totally not my thing. I feel like I'm my best when I can get my six to eight hours of sleep a night. Granted, last night I only got four, but yesterday was, you know, a different story. But, (laughs) yeah, as long as I can get sleep and I can get good food throughout the day and I have my list of what I'm trying to accomplish, If I don't get the list done, I just add it on to the list for tomorrow and do the best that I can, you know, the next day. So that's just kind of my thing. It's just be as organized as I can with my time and having some time in there for myself, for my family and my friends, because I can't work all the time. And I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking about, oh, man, I wish I sent that one last email. (laughs) I still want to live my life, but I also am passionate about the work that I'm doing. So it's just a matter of finding out what's important to me and and doing those things. Yeah, prioritizing that is is important for anyone I think that's going to do multiple projects like that and you know, I understand in a way the whole like they sleep we grind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes for me, like my sleep schedule is so weird and varied like it, it's sort of this polyphasic kind of thing where I'm working for a few hours and I take a nap. Then I work for a few Mm -hmm. hours and take another nap, like that sort of thing. So it kind of varies and depends, but, you know, you don't want to burn out. I think that's a quick way to burn out is doing that, like really kind of trying to do this big, hard, focused push, not sleeping, Mm -hmm. surviving on drugs and caffeine (laughs) just to kind of keep going. Because then you burn out and you don't even want to get back into it. Like you have to give yourself time to rest and come back to it fresh. What would you say is your dream projects? I mean, this can be, you know, something that comes through grid principles. This can be something totally new that you want to start. What's kind of the, the dream project that you want to really be known for? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> My general thing is that I just want people to know that, like, I worked hard on things that I love. Like, my kind of my three things are I love working with youth. I love technology. And I love 
teaching. And I feel like with my businesses, it kind of encompasses all of that, you know, and within technology, it's like, you know, being creative, designing, and I used to like build computers from scratch and like do all sorts of things. So it's just like, those three topics really encompass everything. And if, you know, people can get from me at the end of the day that I tried my best, I live my life doing something that I love, then it's kind of like, what the the end goal is for me. So I don't have like one ultimate project that I want to do. It's just the big project to me, I guess, is life. And I just doing the things that I enjoy during that. Who have been some of your mentors? Have there been any people that you've looked up to or that have helped you out throughout the years? I'd probably say my parents for sure. They're entrepreneurs themselves. They have their own business. They're from Nigeria, so they came to this country with not much and managed to make this amazing life for themselves and for their family. And they made it work. They did the same thing. They did one thing at a time. They learned things. They bought books. You know, when the Internet was becoming, you know, more prominent, they went online to learn things. And they just taught themselves a lot. And I I learned from that quite a bit that if you want to make something happen and you don't necessarily have the people or the money or other resources, you can find those things out for yourself. So my parents are definitely a big influence on my life. And like you said earlier, they kind of encouraged you when you said you wanted to go into computer science, but not so much when you wanted to go into doing design. Is that right? Yeah, it was just they didn't really understand what design was. I don't think a lot of people do. I don't think that people understand how design affects our life every day from the toaster that we use in the morning to the car that we drive in to the websites that we're looking at, that those were all made by designers and you can actually make a living out of it. I think that was that was what they were scared of was that can you actually mm-hmm. like eat and like pay your bills by being right. a designer? They just didn't understand, but now they get it. They Most of the time they get it. <laughs> You mentioned your parents are from Nigeria. Have you been uh, to Nigeria also? Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, a few times. I was just there uh, a couple years ago. I'm hoping to go back, hopefully, within the next year. Okay, where in Nigeria were you? Lagos. Lagos. Now, I know that Africa, you know, just as a whole, is really this kind of, quote-unquote, emerging market as it relates to technology. And I think kind of in a way as it relates to design, when I think about Africa and design, specifically in terms of a design community, Design in Daba comes to mind. That's usually in, it's in South Africa. Mm-hmm. But Lagos is the largest, isn't it? It's the largest city in Africa, right? I believe so, yes. The I believe most, it the is. most populated, yes. I wonder what the tech and design scene is like. like I, I can only imagine it is extremely bustling and, and popular and just full of life. Yeah, from what I've read online and different kind of like mini documentary series that I've watched, like... The whole design, development, entrepreneur community there amongst people that are in their like between their 20s and 40s, it's just, it's booming over there. It's, it's bustling. They're really trying to do as much as they can with the resources that they have and bringing in other resources. And they're doing great things over there for themselves, for the people in their communities. It's really quite an awesome thing to, to, to see. And I hope that I can actually be a part of it one day. I just want to learn from other people and, and teach other people if I can as well. But they, yeah, they're doing quite a bit in, in Nigeria and just Africa in general. Yeah, I've talked with some designers and tech entrepreneurs that are throughout Africa, folks in 
Ghana and Kenya and South Africa. And I've even talked to some people here in the States that, you know, came from Africa, from Cote d'Ivoire, from Guinea, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there that's just kind of being overlooked by, I guess you could say, the Western world mm-hmm. that's here in the States. Why do you think that's the case? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, stereotypes and media of what Africa is and, like, what people do there and what we as, you know, Africans are capable of. If, you, if you're not ever shown in a, in a good light, you don't know that there are other things going on. I mean, I, I've had people ask me kind of crazy questions about simple things that happen in Africa that they don't realize, like, you know, and it might sound crazy, but I've actually had people ask me, like, are, you know, are there, like, animals, like, roaming the streets? And, <laughs> and I'm like, no, like, oh you actually have to go to the zoo or, like, the safari to see stuff like that. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, Lagos is, like, a metropolitan kind of, like, bustling city. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on there. Like, there's actual businesses and establishments and deals going on and, hotels and resorts and all sorts of things but you don't really see a lot of that in media on television or in movies or you always hear about like Boko Haram or like something horrible that's going on and yeah you hear about Boko Haram or or Ebola yeah or something. yeah of course you know, Ebola yeah you don't hear the positive stuff that's coming yeah out you don't there. hear about how I believe Solo is like a contender in in Nigeria like challenging Apple the Apple phone like you don't you okay. don't hear about stuff like that. You don't hear about co-working spaces that they have like littered all over the place. Like there's there's so much going on. But it it would be nice if there was like, you know, a central location, like some kind of website or anything going on to to showcase what is going on in Africa, the amazing things people are doing there. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that because a few weeks ago I talked with Alpha Ba, he's an Android developer in New York. And so he has this mobile app called Z News Africa. And it aggregates news from a couple of different sources, a couple of different news sources in countries from Africa. I think it's only about 12 countries, so not the full continent. But I know he's trying to branch that out also now into a website. But in the past, I know there have been aggregators like, uh, I think Afrigator was one of them. There might have been a few others that sort of did that same thing where they tried to at least aggregate those news sources together so people could really check them out. But I think they eventually just kind of fell through. But it's still an opportunity, I I feel, you know, to really kind of explore and see what's happening there, talk to people from there. Mm -hmm. That's why I really I'm bad about this. I need to get better at it. But reach out to more designers and entrepreneurs and stuff in Africa and really talk to them about what are they going through? What kind of challenges do they have? Or just like, what's the opportunity there? Yeah. One person I talked with, this was, I think, almost a year ago. I talked with Kevin Karanja, who's a motion graphics designer in Nairobi. And he's, I think, 21 or 22, completely self-taught. But he's been in exhibits. He created his own font. He's doing, like, big, huge, major things. Yeah, I think I've read about him. He seems like he's doing some really cool things. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if anyone would ever know that that sort of stuff is going on if someone didn't really kind of shine a light on it and there's a another designer i think i talked with in no i think it was i think also when i talked with kevin when he mentioned something about load shedding and how what will happen is sometimes you know one day a week you'll just have no power Mm -hmm. so you just can't work that day and like those are things that we take for granted here in the u.s that we have you know 
power and things like that so we can continue and keep working. Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely a, a big thing in a few, you know, African countries that like rolling blackouts and such and, you know, having generators and like once the electricity goes out, you got to go turn the generator on so you can continue working or have the lights on at night. So there's, you know, there's a lot of different complications with trying to get certain things done. But I mean, yeah. people are really trying. They're hustling out there. Yeah, and, and out of that is where the innovation comes mm-hmm. from. That's where that, that creativity is born from, out of that adversity, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So what kind of keeps you motivated and inspired with everything that you're doing? I know you said you like to, to teach, you like to talk to youth. Are those things that really motivate you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just, anything that I can do with kids, that that's kind of like my main thing at the end of the day. Like this past weekend, I went to teach a workshop at the 100 Girls of Code camp that they have going on here in town. And, and there's actually different chapters all over the, the U.S. right now as well. And it's just, it's just fun for me. I have an amazing time and I kind of let go. And I'm actually kind of a fairly shy person, but something comes out of me when I'm in front of a group of people to, to teach something to them, I kind of turn into a different person. So it's just something about kids just really motivates me and, and coming up with new ways and analogies to explain something to them that they can take that away and, and continue developing that skill after they've had a workshop or a series of classes with me. And and just kind of humanitarian work as well. I've done a, a quite a bit of volunteer work here in the States and, and abroad. And it's just, I just really enjoy helping people. That's at the end of the day, what, what I really like doing. Are there any things that you know now that you wish you really knew, like at the beginning of your career? I would probably say how many hours I would actually have to put into starting a business and mm-hmm. how it kind of takes away from the amount of time you, you would love to spend on being creative. So, oh yes. So sometimes I know that all too well. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing a lot more administrative work and answering emails and going to the bank and doing all this stuff. And then I look at my phone because I don't have a watch. <laughs> I look at my phone and say like it's four o'clock already, and I swear I just got to work and I didn't get any work done. But that's mm-hmm. still part of the job. Like I have to talk to those clients and make sure that like they got the latest proposal or. We did all the the bug fixes on the demo that we sent out, or it's just a whole list of stuff. There's always something. But I I do make sure to say every once in a while, you know what, today is going to be a design day, and I'm going to check my email, you know, during these specific time periods, but I got to get some work done. So it's just, again, it just comes back to, like, the organization, and and most people are, are, are pretty responsive to, like, I was just really busy. <laughs> like I was trying to get your project done or working on another project. And like, if you can't get to it today, there's always tomorrow. And people are usually pretty, pretty respective and, and kind of that because they know that they're really busy as well. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, I, I just didn't realize how much time was going to be taken out of my work hours to actually run the business. <laughs> or run. The I know what you mean. <laughs> One thing that I do, I keep, above my desk I keep my old contractor badge mm-hmm. when I used to work from eight for AT&T and I keep that as a reminder to myself that it could always be yes. worse you <laughs> know <And it'll, laughs> yeah. like yeah I'm answering these emails and it's all this stuff and I haven't gotten any work done but it's like 
it could be so much worse. I could be back at my old job or something like that. Or just, you know, the, the fact that you have the privilege now to work for yourself. Yeah. I, I try to put it into perspective in that mm-hmm. way to think, okay, you know, yeah, I, I wish I could have done more creative stuff. And there's only 24 hours in a day, but there's always tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, and you have to prioritize. You have to say, this is a day mm-hmm. I'm not answering any emails. I'm not answering any messages. I have to get design work yeah you know yeah it can it can be definitely like really overwhelming and challenging but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I wouldn't want to have it any other way like I've worked for other people I've you know had day jobs and contract jobs and all sorts of stuff I've worked in retail I've I've done a lot of stuff but this has been the most satisfying is is to work for myself and, and do the things that I actually love doing one thing I know that people do is they'll only check their mail twice a day mm-hmm. and they'll outsource that. They'll outsource that to, I don't know, someone on Odesk or, or something like that mm-hmm. where just say, okay, for an hour or for two hours every day, like in the morning and in the evening, just check the mail and respond. Yeah. Cause not everything necessarily needs an immediate yeah. response. Yeah. But if you respond, I think within 24 hours, most people are, are receptive to that, I think. I mean, if there's an emergency, I can understand that, but chances are, if you've got a phone number or something, they can just call you if it's really, yeah. really you know, time-sensitive. Yeah, that's what I tell my clients. Like, if you really need to get to me, something happens with a last-minute design change that we're sending to the printers or something on the website, like, definitely call or text me. But I do know this lady that puts, like, a little disclaimer on her emails saying that she checks emails at, like, 10 o'clock and 4.30. So that's when you're going to get a response. It's just, she said, just to make her life easier, her clients, you know, know that about her, that those are the two times that you're going to get a response, and she's got to use the rest of that time to work and have meetings and so on and so forth that's the beauty of business you can really craft it any way you Mm -hmm. want to that makes it comfortable for you you know as long as the client is okay with that then that's that's all that really Mm -hmm. matters what advice has really stuck with you the longest i'd probably say just work hard (laughs) like if you really want something i mean you're not going to be handed anything like just work hard and ask questions that's probably the biggest thing ask questions. If you don't know it, somebody else doesn't know it, somebody's going to know it. It's going to be in some book or some blog or in a library. Like You can find the answer somewhere. And if you can't find the answer, then create your own. Like Do the work to like make your own standard of something. But the beauty is, is that people have had so many different experiences. And again, the worst thing that anybody can say is no. And then you go on to the, to the next resource, whether that's a person or like actual physical object or, I mean, Google should be everybody's best friend or some kind of search engine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so what are you excited about at the moment? You got any big plans coming up this summer? No, we're just working hard and, and on great principles projects. We've got We've got our plate just overflowing right now of projects, which is an amazing thing to have and just, you know, being open under a year. And we're teaching a camp this summer. We're teaming up with another organization for Air Labs and having a web development creative camp for the whole month of July. So we're, we're getting ramped up for that. 
We're super excited to have just students from all over come in and, and just have fun being creative and learning code and learning how to build computers and using different applications that they never knew existed and how to make, you know, new projects with them. So that's basically what we're doing this summer and then hopefully take a little a little vacation, a little break at the end. <laughs> yeah, the good thing, like you said, because you're in Chattanooga, you're you're kind of equidistant between three, you know, fairly large cities. Mm-hmm. So you can always just pop over to Knoxville, pop down to Atlanta or something like yeah. that. So that's good. That's good. If you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be working on? What do you think would be your life work, if not design? I'd probably say I would either be some kind of like humanitarian, like just traveling the world, <laughs> like uh-huh. helping people, helping people learn how to farm, building wells, anything like that. Or I'd probably be a, a physician, probably a pediatrician again, because I, I really love kids. So okay. that's, that's probably what I would be doing. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself? What are you working on? What are you doing? I am probably just managing, hopefully, a lot of different air labs all over. Probably also working on some kind of maybe urban farming, vertical farming project. I'm really into just how we can make cities better. And there's actually a book by a guy named Dixon DePommier, and he talks about vertical farming, like hydroponic farming within uh, structures. It's just completely fascinating to me, and I don't know why more people aren't doing it and why it's not a thing for for large cities. Yeah, I would probably be doing something with that for sure. I'm actually going to see a a hydroponic farm in Georgia later this week, so I'm I'm really excited about that. Oh, nice. I know here in my neighborhood, we have a couple of those urban farming kind of spots around. I think we've got about two or three like community gardens and things like that, so... It's great because you can get really, you know, nice, fresh vegetables mm-hmm. and fruits when you need to. And it's also, you know, it's right here in your neighborhood. You don't have to venture out far from it. A lot of people kind of sleep on this part of town yeah. for that kind of thing. But, you know, it's here. So I, I like that. I really like that idea. My uh, my grandmother and my grandfather were really into, you know, farming. They had a little garden mm-hmm. in the back of their house. So I, I, you know, would remember planting things and planting stuff when I was a kid. So that's that's really good. I like that that kind of connection to the earth sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I feel like I gotta, you know, I gotta get away from the computer at some point. I can't, I can't yeah. start it for, you know, all day, every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. From digital to animal. Yeah. I totally get Definitely. that. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and your work online? It's a lot of places. <laughs> Let's say gridprinciples.com, blurrednation.com, and also Shaun Aaronlay, so that's S-E-U-N-E-R-I-N-L-E, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be links on, on the website. And um, pretty much all of those have the same Twitter handle as, as the uh, URL. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate a lot of the, the things that you had to share in terms of advice for people that are looking to, you know, get into design and things they need to know about business, but also just learning more about you and the work that you're doing. It sounds like you're really kind of taking Chattanooga by storm. So I'm sure that we'll hear a lot more about you and the work that you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I had a great conversation. And yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about the things that you're doing. And and I'm glad I discovered your, your podcast and seeing and knowing that there are other people out there like me that are just, you know, 
hustling and, and trying their best and doing what they can and doing what they love. So yeah, thank you to you. I really appreciate it. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Sean Aaron Lay and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Shun and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks as always to our incredible sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes down to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They've got really great reporting features, autoresponders, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover, of course, is the best way to buy and manage domain names. They give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code JUNEBUG at checkout. And lastly, there is Creative Market, which is a marketplace that sells beautiful ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com and pick up those six free goods that are available for free every Monday. And if you see something else that you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, this is my tape for you, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners. I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit our new home over at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews and giveaways and a whole lot more. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you next time.